there was a father and a son, and they never really, they'd had a real strained relationship. The father would go to, to church and stuff, but, you know, outside of church, he just kind of lived your average life, did whatever. And the son started to sort of drift from the faith as he got into his teen years. And the father would say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Well, the kid eventually, about time to go to college, started being counseled by the pastor. And the pastor gave him some suggestions of things to do to help to connect with his dad. And one of the problems they had was is that both of them were very bullheaded. And they knew they didn't want to give. So the pastor told him what to do. So when the son, just before leaving the state to go to college, went ahead and told his dad that, uh, I have to tell you, the answer to our problems is in Daniel uh, chapter 7. If you just take a moment, look up Daniel chapter 7. He goes ahead, not you, not you. This isn't, this, this is Because <laughs> then he goes to college. Well, he goes, he comes back and he asks his dad, so what do you think? And his dad said, yeah, I read it. You know, it, I, I understand we have difficulties and stuff. I just wish that you would pay attention to what, you know, I wish I knew why you drifted away. I wish I knew why. And he goes, okay. And so then he goes ahead and he says, remember, the, the, the answer is chap- Daniel chapter 7. And he went back to college. And he comes back. The third year, he does again. He says, okay. You know, and the dad says, yeah, I, I, just, I just wish you would listen. I could figure out why you drifted away. And you don't take your faith serious. Why don't you take it serious? The third year, he came back and he said, so did you read Daniel chapter 7 in your Bible, Dad? The one that you keep on your nightstand? He goes, I keep it on my nightstand all the time, you know. And he goes, okay. He goes, can I read it to you and let you know what you're supposed to be looking for? And he says, okay. So he goes and gets the Bible he, and hands it to his dad. And he look, opens it up and he starts looking. The page for Daniel chapter 7 was ripped out. The father, had, the kid had ripped the page out. And he said, and he looked at him and he said, I think I learned why, I think you know the reason why I don't take my faith serious. I learned everything I know about faith from you. That's unfortunate because what happened? The kid learned from the dad that church is something you do on Sunday. Yeah, Bible. Keep it by your bedside. That's good enough. Let it collect dust. It's good enough. The father never took the time to just open the book. In three years, never opened his Bible to look, to realize the page was missing. Had he really been in his Bible, the kid would have seen that. And the kid would have understood it and learned it. And the reason that's important is because kids learn more by what by seeing what you do. You can talk all day, and with the exception of dropping a four-letter word, that they'll repeat that. But outside of dropping a four-letter word, the best way kids learn is by seeing. By seeing what you do. Different unrelated story, but goes a woman had, was going through a serious problem. She was a single mother, all kinds of financial trouble. The minister came over, talked to her. They were talking and sitting, and he says, is this your Bible? She said, yeah. She goes, I read it every day. He goes, well, that's great. She went to the restroom, and he sat there, and he prayed. And he just, well, she comes back, he tells her, listen, all I'm telling you is if you read through your Bible, you'll realize Jonah has something special for you. And the woman says, okay, well, she goes about what she's doing. Continue to struggle. Pray for me. Help me. And he tells her, Jonah has something special for you. Jonah has something special for you. And she goes, I read my Bible every day. I just can't figure it out. And he goes, Jonah has something special for you. If 
Finally, one day, as they're being evicted from their house, the kid, their son, is picking up the stuff. He opens the Bible up, and a letter falls out. He opens the letter up, and in there was a check for $1,000. And he go, and the kid goes, well, what's this for? And it said, wrote in the note, in the memo, it said, this is to pay your house bill. God bless. And so the kid said, Mom, the answer was in Jonah the entire time. Do you take what people say at face value or do you test it against scripture? Even if the person, because think about that. If I say, oh, Mike says, what's this mean? What's that? And I said, the solution is Revelation 3. Do you open up to Revelation 3 and say, well, let's see what this says. Even if I told you something, oh, it has to do with this and Laodicea and blah, 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 blah. Do you look at, open it up and read it for yourself? This is an important thing because this is how the world learns. What does the how world, you never change. As children, as adults, you learn by seeing and by doing. Kids learn more by six than they will learn for the rest of their life. Wow. Think about it. They learn how to talk. They learn how to count. They learn how to do all kinds. They learn how to make decisions, how to, oh, you need to climb a tree. How are you going to climb? How are you going to? How do you do this? You learn these things by, by figuring it out, by the hard way, by doing it. So when somebody tells you the answers in the Bible, how do you learn? By doing it. By looking for it. Don't, I'm telling you, don't trust me. I'm human. I'm fallible. I tell you something's in the Bible, look it up. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is not look it up. I'm okay. I am perfectly okay with you saying, you know what? I looked that up and it doesn't say that. Let's open the Bible and see. Maybe I made a mistake. If I did, I will apologize and we'll figure it out why I made that mistake. It's not, it's not wrong to question when somebody from an authoritative position gives you an answer authoritatively. It might be wrong to always, if that's the immediate thing. Now, hopefully, if somebody is faithful enough, you'll understand that I can trust what they say, and then you can use it to deepen your understanding. Because they might give you a, a, a superficial answer, but there might be a deeper answer there. I say all this because our series has been misunderstandings, and I've gone through different types of misunderstandings every week. Today, I want to introduce you all to the middle verse of the entire Bible. Let's open it in our Bibles to Psalms and we'll go to 118th Psalm. The 118th Psalm. Bible way. Whew. Okay. 118. The, the, did you know? I'm reading off, of, off online from a pastor that I respect. This is from the sermon notes from a pastor I respect. Psalm 118 verse 8 is the middle verse of the entire Bible. And it says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence Amen. in man. <laughs> Sounds great. 
And you know what's interesting about that? If that being the center verse of the entire Bible, the chapter before it, one, Psalm 117, is the shortest chapter in the entire Bible. Literally just two verses. It says, Praise the Lord, oh, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise Him, all you people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Amen. Praise you, the Lord. Amen. Okay, so two verses. 17. Psalm 119 is the longest verse chapter in the entire Bible. With 176 verses. It takes 22 minutes to read. I'll start reading now. No, <laughs> no but it's the longest with 176 verses. It takes about 20, literally just reading regular, pay, decent pace, like 22 minutes to read. With that 176 verses. And in right smack dab in the middle of those two, the shortest and the longest, Psalm 118, verse 8. And what does it say again? It says, It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. You're dismissed. No, it's Okay, that's great. Am I right or wrong? You trust me, right? Well, I'm not reading this from me. I'm reading this from another person. Who gave this to me? Not all the time. Sent this to exactly. I don't trust anybody. Sent this to me in an email years ago. This is this the first time I heard this was preached from the pulpit at my church in 1997. It was preached again by who I consider to be one of my greatest mentors in 2013. That that's the center verse of the Bible. I'm going to tell you a story. There was a pastor in California that wanted to see if the church was reading their Bibles and testing things he said. He did an entire series of test what I tell you. In the course of time, he gave references that don't exist. He told people, if you want to look this up, look it up in your own time. It's in, it's in Ephesians chapter 7. Ephesians doesn't have 7 chapters. He said, if you want to look this up, it's in Galatians 9. Not nine chapters in Galatians. He told people all kinds of things. He told them there was a book of Hezekiah. A book of Hezekiah. One of the things he told them on the last Sunday was, before telling them, don't trust me, look it up for yourself, was that Psalm 118 verse 8. What does it say? It is better to trust the Lord than put confidence in men. Because he's lying. He was telling them a untruth. It is not the center. But you know what happened? Nobody. This guy, he was at a church with over 4,000 people. Not one person <laughs> verified it. Well. And instead, went on AOL and started posting it and started a chain letter. And emailed it around to over over 20 million people in the next five years. And it just becomes fact now. People just say, oh, that's the middle verse. That's what it is. Is it? The Bible has 1,189 chapters. An average of eight chap 18 chapters per book. But it has 1,189 chapters. Psalm 117 is actually the middle chapter. 
of the entire, if you were just chapters, it's the middle chapters, number 595. The King James Version of the Bible, because remember some versions have verses missing. King James Version of the Bible has 31,102 verses. That means there is no middle verse. It's an even number. If you split it up, you're going to have half on one side, half on the other. So it's two middle verses. So the 15,551st and 15,552nd, which you don't have to remember any of this stuff if you don't want to, is actually, and you can go through and look it up, and it's really to do, actually, really, if you just go through the chapters, every time you see a chapter, you go to the last one and say, oh, this one has 29 verses. But it takes you all of like, it'll take you all of like 40 minutes. Now it's 40 minutes, but it would take you 40 minutes to really verify this. But, and I verified it the other day, the last week, I sat down and went, I went through. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. Though that's the center verses. There's two of them in the Bible. 103, verse 1 and 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Seems like the perfect verses to be the center of the entire Bible, doesn't it? If you were to ask me, sum up the Bible, bless the Lord, and don't forget what he's done for you. And that's what it says. How interesting is that? And like I said, you can verify, just go through, start in Genesis, start counting chapters and counting verses. It doesn't take, I mean, it takes a little effort. But it's not the worst thing in the world. There's worse things to do than spend some time writing down verses from a Bible. Yeah. But you see how easy it would be for me to just deceive you guys if I wanted to. I just stand up here and act authoritative. Say, oh, it's 118 verse 8, and that's what it is. And you go, yep. And it sounds great, too. Better to put trust in God. Exactly. Better to put trust in God than confidence in man. And I'm not saying to just question everybody for no reason. Police officers saying, hey, give me your license. Probably better give him your license. If he says, why, you know why I stopped you and you really don't know? Just say, I have no idea. There's times it's not worth it. It's not worth it to question. There are other times in life it's okay, and it's expected. Paul says, test the things. See that they're true. Yeah. Be ready to contend for the faith. How do you do that? You just get familiar with it. Just get familiar with it. You don't have to do some insane stuff. I've gone through these things with friends of mine where we read the Bible for, one, for 45 minutes every single day. In doing that, you can read through the entire Bible in 90 days. 90 days. So we read through the entire Bible four times in the year. Honestly, I got almost nothing out of it. We were reading so fast, I got almost nothing. Not only that, by the time I got done, I was sick of reading the Bible. That's a bad place to be, where you have to now suddenly invent games to try and get yourself to read the Bible. Be joyful about it. You don't have to make some crazy thing. Oh, I have to read it once in a year. If you just read one page your average book average bible 
it's out there. Now, large print is going to be more pages. But if you just read literally from the top left to the bottom right, one page every day, you would go through the entire Bible in five years, guaranteed. Well, if you live a 50, year, 50 years from the time you're saved, then that means you've gone through it 10 times. You should know something about it. And that's not a lot. I mean, that's literally just one page. These are things you can do to learn. And what do the children learn? How do people in, out in society who've never seen the Bible, who've never read the Bible, who have no idea about this, they think God is a, you know, a fictional character. They think Jesus is a, some form of, oh, it's just a Greek God and all this. How are they going to learn? They see us doing it. They see you doing it, whether it's praying before a meal, whether it's reading your Bible, whether it's they learn by doing. We need to be doers, not hearers only. We need to literally do. We need to test. We need to test what we hear, read it, figure out what it says. When we, somebody says, this is what, you know, this is what it means, especially if they're telling you, well, this is what it is because this is what it's always meant. That's a time to question. Just because if just it doesn't mean it's right, just because the way it's always been. We'd still have slavery in a form that was not biblical in this country if it just was oh, that's all it's always been. We shouldn't have had slavery the way we did. The Bible gives us rules for if you are going to institute it, here's how you do it so that it's humane. We didn't do that. We would still have it if we just went with, oh, that's the way it's always been. Question that. Why? What do you mean? What does the Bible say about it? How does it talk about it? If somebody tells you something and it's brand new, literally brand new, you can't hear it from anywhere. People will tell you, oh, this and that. I had somebody tell me once there were 12 raptures in the Bible. And I, was just, I literally said, okay, we're done talking. And walked away. There's no talking to that guy. There's not. Because that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Test it. It's okay. Test your pastor. It's okay. But teach by doing. Teach your children. Teach the people in the world. When they see you do it, it's going to speak more than 100,000 words to them. Because you are doing it. They're seeing it done. We're not going to go there, but Romans 3, 4. It says, let God be true. Let every man be a liar. One of my favorite. God's true, even if the person's yeah. saying it's wrong. Yeah. Matthew 4, 4. For it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We're going to go there. That's, that's actually quoting Deuteronomy 8, 3. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8, 3. So Matthew 4, 4 quotes Deuteronomy 8, 3. Very beginning of your Bibles. Deuteronomy is Moses telling the children of the people who'd been out in the desert about what happened before they were born, basically. So he's refreshing their memories because they waited until all the adults were passed on and the children had raised up. So Deuteronomy 8.3 is where he's talking about it. And he says, well, certain two, it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, and to prove thee, 
to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or not. Guess what? They actually failed. <laughs> they never kept his commandments in that time. Three, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which by the way, manna in Hebrew means what is it? And they ate something. They had no idea what it was, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. God is life. He literally spoke life. Christ is called the word of God. How do we learn? By doing because we are sustained by the word of God, by Christ himself. Our last thing we're going to do is hop to Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. Because this is when everything else fails, no matter what the case, and there will be a time, whether it's me, whether it's somebody, your faith will be challenged, your faith will be tested. Don't rely on people. Rely on God. Proverbs 30, starting in the fourth verse, says, Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended? Who hath gathered in the wind in, the wind in his fist? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name, and what is his son's name, if you can tell? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is true. You can trust what's in here. Even if you can't trust a person, even if you can't, when your faith is tested, it's in here. It's okay. God is true. Every man be a liar. We're all going to fail. We're all going to lie. How do kids, how do the unchurched, how do the unsaved, how do they know? Because they see us doing it. So the misunderstanding we're dealing with today is the misunderstanding of people saying, well, this is it because I said so. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. We are sustained by the word of God.